Good to see all of you tonight. We're glad that you're here with us. Hugh, I like that song. We don't sing it very often, but I like that song. I always wondered, uh, whenever I was younger, why we didn't sing it that often. It was always in our book, uh, but for some reason we just never did sing it, except at the singings maybe now and then. Uh, but I was uh, probably a teenager before I ever learned it. But uh, it is a beautiful song, and it does go well with our lesson. Tonight, we're still in the One Word series. Tonight's lesson is on repentance. The word repent and what it means to repent. Repentance is well known to us as a step in God's plan of salvation. Uh, as members of the church, it's something that we have heard on many occasions, some of us all through our lives. Um, uh, we hear of what we need to do to be saved. We are reminded of what Peter told the Jews in Acts 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we understand that repentance is something that we are to do in obedience to the gospel. But repentance is not only necessary excuse me, in becoming a Christian, but it is also necessary in remaining faithful. We understand, I think all of us would agree, that no one is perfect in regard to doing the will of God. We all fall short at times. There are occasions where we, we sin. We do make mistakes, and we have to repent whenever we do that. Uh, it's important that we recognize our sin and do everything that we can to keep ourselves from committing the same sin in the future. Our spiritual well-being depends on a penitent attitude in life. So we recognize that repentance is not something that we do only to become a Christian, but it's something that Christians will do throughout their time on earth. Our lesson objectives for tonight are first of all to recognize our need for change. Sometimes we do need to have change in our lives. It begins with a change of heart and also a change in action. And secondly, our lesson objective is to implement these changes in our future endeavors as they are needed. We're going to spend our lesson tonight talking about how we repent and what it really means to us in regard to a change of heart and a change in action. Uh, those things are important. Whenever we look at repentance, that's exactly what it is. You have to turn away from, from the direction you're walking and you have to walk a different direction. I've often heard it said that you have to make a 180, not a 360, because if you make a 360, you go all the way back around and you're walking the same direction that you were. But we make a 180 turn. We, we go from walking one direction towards sin to walking the other, away from sin. And that's what being repentant means. Let's look at, at this change of heart and how repentance uh, applies in a change of heart. Repentance begins when we realize that we have sinned against God. 
And no one is immune to sin. Doesn't matter who you are or how you live or how good you may think that you are. No one is immune to sin. In Romans chapter 3, there are a couple of verses that stand out. One is verse 9. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. In verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. We are all in need of repentance. Due to the fact that all have sinned, all are in need of repentance, and repentance begins in the heart. I want you to notice something. A moment ago we looked at Acts 2.38, but I want to back up a couple of verses and look at the Jews and how they repented. The Jews on the day of Pentecost, they, Peter gave them uh, this wonderful sermon. And toward the end of that sermon in verse 36, he says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. In verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then they were told to repent. They had a change of heart. Whenever they heard the words of Peter, whenever they heard his message, they were cut to the heart. They needed to obey the gospel. They needed to repent. The prodigal son is also a, a good lesson in and of itself. In Luke 15, and beginning with verse 14, But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Verse 17 But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. In both of these cases, a change of heart was the first step toward making themselves right with the Father. And before this change of heart took place, repentance was impossible. You cannot repent without having a change of heart. A change of direction again, if you will. In order to truly repent, one must realize that he has wronged God. The message of John, often referred to him as the the Baptist or the Baptizer, and Jesus, was one and the same. Both came with a very similar message. In Matthew 4 and verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent. For the kingdom 
of heaven is at hand. They came with a message of repentance. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Its purpose was to help the Jews realize that they had wronged God and that they needed to repent. And that was the message that he came with. That was the message that Jesus continued with. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See that the Jews had neglected their service to God and had to realize their need of turning back to Him. We see that in their attitude, they thought they were better than others and above reproach in God's eyes. In Luke 13, verses 2 through 5, Luke 13, and beginning with verse 2, And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those eighteen on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. All are in need of repentance. And until one repents, he is lost in his sin. No matter how great or small they may be, sins will keep us from eternity in heaven. One who's not repented is still guilty. And the end is the same for all who have not obeyed. In John 8 and verse 24, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, Jesus speaking. For if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. One who does not believe also will not be willing to obey in repentance, confession, and baptism. Anyone who does not believe is lost in his sins. And just as far as the word repent is concerned, something that we recognize from Scripture is that even God at times expressed a change of heart in regard to repentance. The King James word, uh, Version uses the word repentance uh, a little more often. But especially in the Old Testament we read in the days of Noah in Genesis chapter 6 and verses 5 and 6 that God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart later on in 1st Samuel chapter 15 in regard to King Saul 1st Samuel 15 and verse 10 then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel saying it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Now, in regard to the word repent, we understand that we, 
as Christians need to repent uh, to become Christians. And even as Christians, when we sin, we still repent. We change our lives. We have to change our heart. But it helps us to realize the meaning of that word when we see that God, even though He had no sin, there were times where He had a change of heart. In regard to the wickedness of man, he had a change of heart and that he, he regretted that he had created them. He regretted that he had placed Saul as king because Saul turned away from him. That's what repentance is. It's a change of heart. And even the Lord had a change of heart. And we see that word repentance used in different versions. So repentance is a change of heart, but it's also more than that. You see, in order to fully repent, there is more to it than just changing our heart. You see, if I try to change just my heart, and I don't try to change my actions, then I haven't repented. Not in the fullest sense of the word. So repentance does involve a change of heart, but it also involves a change in action. Let's go back for a moment to Luke 15 and look at verses 20 through 24. Luke 15 and picking up with verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father said to his servants, Bring out the, the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now what did the son have to do? You know, it was more than just realizing in that pigsty I guess that he had been wrong that he had gone about life wrong, that he had, had wasted his father's possessions. It was more than just realizing his wrong, but he had to do something about it. The first thing that he did, he got up out of the pigsty. And he went to his father. And just as he had rehearsed in his head and, and in his mind and in his heart and what he was going to say, he came to his father and admitted his guilt. He admitted his sins against him. Now, we look at the prodigal son and we realize that had he not gone to his father, full repentance would never have been. Had he just thought these things, Repentance wouldn't have been. But he went to his father and he admitted his guilt. And his father forgave him and accepted him back into the family. Even though that wasn't the son's original intent. He didn't think his father would accept him into the family. He wasn't even going to ask. He was going to say, well, let me be your servant. And, and yet the father brought him back into the family. He accepted it accepted him as his son. And he forgave him. 
But the son had to act to receive forgiveness that was given to him. One's works must be worthy of repentance in order to receive forgiveness. We have to continue in works that are worthy of repentance. Notice what is said in Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. Matthew 3, beginning with verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. They took great pride in the fact that they could trace their lineage through Abraham. And yet they are told that it means nothing. What they have taken pride in means very little in the sight of God. They are told to bear fruits worthy of repentance. In Acts 26, beginning with verse 19. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, Paul speaking, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. You see, action is involved in repentance. As a matter of fact, it is required. There must be action behind repentance. And then looking at repentance and how it does require action, I think it's also important that we notice the cost of repentance. Because sometimes repentance will cost us a great deal. Maybe even more than, than we originally thought. But repentance does have a cost. Let's look at the example of Zacchaeus. We know the story of Zacchaeus. In Luke chapter 19, if you don't know the story as well, you know the song. I'm not going to sing it for you. But in Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 1, says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He is gone to be a guest with the man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, 
because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus was lost. He was a sinner. But he had a penitent attitude. Zacchaeus offered his wealth to those in need and, and also offered to restore fourfold. And I don't know the, the proportion of his restoration in regard to the riches that he, he had, but he offered to restore fourfold if he had taken anything by dishonest means. He realized who he was or had been. And he realized that he needed to make amends for his past. And sometimes that's what we have to do. When it comes to repentance, if we've done wrong by someone, we need to have that, that thought in mind of being able to make amends. The uh, Ephesian believers found in Acts chapter 19 and verses 18 through 20. What did they do? Acts 19 beginning with verse 18. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. The value of these books or scrolls or, or whatever they were is said to have totaled 160 years worth of wages. I don't know if that's an exact figure. But there is a cost involved. Yet, they needed to sacrifice these in order to be pleasing to God. That they had to sacrifice what they had believed in, what they had, uh, probably some had their livelihood in. But they realized the need of sacrificing these things for God. Repentance has a cost. Sometimes there are people that are unwilling to pay the cost in order to fully repent before God. But we must recognize that if we intend to repent, that we must count that cost. When we look at repentance, we see that godly sorrow, more than simple regret, is required for repentance leading to salvation. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's look at verses 8 through 12. 2 Corinthians 7 and beginning with verse 8. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner, 
what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Therefore, although I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. You see, godly sorrow leads us to actions of obedience. And in essence, repentance. When we realize our spiritual condition... That we are outside of Christ. We are willing to do those things necessary for us to be saved. Repentance. Confession of faith in Christ. And baptism for the remission of sin. And until we express godly sorrow for a sinful past, true repentance is still lacking. It's more than just feeling sorry over something. But that sorrow should lead us to do something. It should lead us to full repentance. Repentance is important. It should be important to all of us. Whether we are Christians already. Or even if we're not. Repentance is important to all. Because even we as Christians realize that, that we do sin. And that we do have times where we need to repent. And sometimes it goes beyond what we can normally take to God. Sometimes we need to have the help of a congregation. And we need to, to have the strength of others to help us in that repentance. How important is repentance? Our scripture reading came from the beginning of Luke chapter 15. And we've discussed several verses in regard to the prodigal son. I want to go back to the beginning of the chapter to the first of, of the three parables there. The parable of the lost sheep. In Luke 15... Beginning with verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. A hundred to me, that's a, a fairly big number. And one in regard to a hundred from a human perspective, seems very small. But when we look at it through God's eyes, when we see it from His perspective, see that one is just as important 
if not more important than even 99 just persons who need no repentance. That one coming back brings great joy in heaven. One who truly repents. Repents with, with godly sorrow, not just being sorry for actions, but intending to change those actions in the future. God sent His Son to die for all who were willing to repent and obey the gospel. Are you a Christian? Are you a child of God? Know that God loves you. And if you've not obeyed the gospel, we'd be glad to help you in that need. If you need to come by faith, repenting, confessing your faith in Christ, being baptized for the remission of sins, we'd be glad to help you in that need. But maybe it is tonight that, that you've done all those things. You've obeyed the gospel. and Maybe you don't need to do that again. But, but maybe you need to come back. Maybe you've wandered away. Like the one sheep that wandered away from the flock. Maybe you're in need of coming back. We know that, that God will receive those who are truly repentant. Those who have that godly sorrow, those who are willing to change their heart and lives. Maybe you need help in that regard. Maybe you need to ask for prayer on your behalf. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness for something that you've done of a, a public nature. But if you need to repent, a better time than the present. Don't let another day go by. Know that we are not promised tomorrow. We're not promised to be able to assemble again. You're not promised another invitation. So if you're in need of coming back, if you're in need of obeying the gospel or repenting, if there's something that we can help you with, we give you that opportunity. Let's together we stand as we